This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks and Sanctums in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. talk this morning on uh, witnesses with fire and power. How many realise that there's no other way to witness but with fire and power? Uh, and I just want to just for us to think about that for a moment. Uh, I'm going to bring, which is a key verse really in, in, in much of what uh, of New Testament teaching, but Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then Matthew 3, verse 11. I indeed baptise you with water, this is John the Baptist, unto repentance. But he who is coming is mightier after me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Isn't that awesome? I just love this thought that, that we're witnesses, but we're witnesses with fire and power. I love it. Uh, that's what we're called to be. We're called to be witnesses with fire and power. Uh, just, just think about this word witness. Why do you think about the word witness? Uh, what, 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 what a witness is. What is a witness? You know, in a court of law, a witness is somebody who proves, like, is testifying, he has proof, he has evidence, it's a, in the form of a testimony. So the court of law, a witness is someone who provides evidence in the form of a testimony. He wants to disprove or prove something. So a witness is the only one who can bring evidence. The judge can't bring evidence, the prosecutor can't bring evidence, if you like, the defender can't bring the evidence. Only a witness can produce evidence. When I was kind of in my teenage years, and this kind of sounds a bit weird, okay, but when I was in my teenage years, you know what I used to love? I used to love, because we're right in the city centre of Birmingham, that's where you had all the courts. I used to like to, to go in the courts. I tell you it's weird, didn't I? I used to go to, the, I used to like sit in the public gallery, and I used to love to hear how they used to, deb- how they used to kind of, I used to love when the witnesses used to get up and they used to absolutely kind of tear him to pieces. And, you know, that kind of, like a, and I kind of used to like to go and watch that. So Amy just used to love that kind of atmosphere, if you like, of, of the court. And, and, and a witness is the one who brings the evidence. And there's two kinds of evidence. There's indirect evidence, and that is, a, and that is what you saw or what you heard. That's indirect evidence. What you saw or what you heard is indirect evidence. Then there is direct evidence, and direct evidence is your experience. You talk about your experience and what you experience as a witness. So think about those two things. A witness is someone who hears and sees and experiences it. That's in the physical, natural realm, if you like. Let's bring that over to the spiritual realm. The word witness there, interesting word. The word witness is where we get the word martyr from. Isn't that encouraging? 
And a martyr really is someone who's willing to die for their testimony. That's what it means. And what Jesus is saying is saying, I want you to testify no matter what the cost. Be my witnesses. He's saying, I'll give you the power to convince people of the truth of what you know about me. How many realise that's why we need the power desperately? To be those kind of witnesses. See, the word Christian, when you think about it, actually means to be like Jesus. And the thing I kind of love about Jesus was he took the message to people Wherever he went, wherever he encountered people, he took them a message. And he said, I've come to seek and save those who are lost. And here's what I want you to get a hold of. Is that if we are Christians, then we embrace why Jesus came. We embrace to be a witness because he was a witness. The great revivalist, Leonard Ravenue. How many have ever heard of Leonard Ravenue? His books are like, yes, if he, his books aren't on fire, those books, wow. If you want to be challenged, read a Leaven Revenue book. You know what he says? On his tombstone are these words. Are the things that you are living for worth Christ dying for? Wow. Are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? And the major thing that Jesus died for was to bring people to himself. Is that true? That's what he died for. So are we living for what he died for? The early church declared Jesus to be Lord. And they were absolutely committed for one purpose. And that was to share his love. The foremost purpose of their lives was to be a witness. And Jesus says that you are to be my witnesses. He didn't say, go out and give out tracts. Not that that's wrong, that's called to give out tracts. But how many know, being a witness is more than just giving out tracts. Is that true? In other words, our very lives are meant to be a witness. Our marriages are meant to be a witness. Our job, our career life is meant to be a witness. Our home life, everything is meant to be a testimony to the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? You... He didn't say, perhaps you might be, but he said, you shall be my witnesses. Whatever you go, the marketplace, wherever you're going, you shall be my witnesses. He says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is your family. It's your kind of community. That's your Jerusalem. And you're meant to be a witness in your Jerusalem. We are meant to be witnesses, it says, into all Judea. Judea is the place. If you like, for us, Judea is the whole of the island, Guernsey. Jerusalem, Judea, and, and, and Samaria. Samaria represents the broken, the hurting, the rejected. So we are witnesses, the broken, the hurted, the rejected, and then we are witnesses to all the earth to go to all the nations of the world and to be his witnesses. What are the qualifications of a witness? Acts 4, verse 20. Here's a powerful verse. This to me is, is, is one of the qualifications to be a witness. 
Here's Peter standing before the Sanhedrin, if you like, have just healed this lame man. They're brought before all the Jewish leaders. They're told not to speak about the name of Jesus. And this is their response in verse, chapter 4, verse 20. For we cannot speak of the things we have seen and the things that we have heard. What's a witness? Somebody who has seen and somebody who has heard. If you're ever called to be a witness, particularly for, for, for an accident, car accident, you are called to describe what you see and what you hear. Now, actually, believe it or not, I've been a witness and I remember standing and you had to say exactly what you saw, what you heard and what you experienced. I remember that. Kind of, how, many, how many have ever done that? It's not a, a, you've done that, yeah. It's not a pleasant experience, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but the point is, that's what a witness is. What you see, what you hear and what you've experienced. Here's the truth. How many of us today have seen and heard and experienced to and experience Jesus do something incredible in our lives. Can you look back over your life and, and can see what Jesus has done in your life? Can you remember some of the things you've heard that have impacted you and changed you? Can you think of the experiences you've had of Jesus? Because what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've experienced qualifies you to be a witness. Is that true? Is that true? So, in a sense, that because we've seen, because we've heard, because we've experienced, that means that we are called to be a witness. You know what happened if you were called to a court and you refused to declare what you saw and what you heard and what you experienced? You know what that's called? It's called perjury. And often people don't want to give evidence. Sometimes they're afraid of intimidation. They're afraid that their various fears have stopped them testifying to what they've seen, what they've heard and what they've experienced. And the greatest thing that holds people back from being a witness, you know what it is, is fear. We don't witness and the primary reason why we don't witness what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced is because so often it's fear that holds us back. Let me give you a great verse. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Jesus is called the true and faithful witness. There's an interesting verse here in 1 Timothy. I don't know whether Paul was actually physically there to see it. But he declares this to be an eyewitness account, really. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He tells us to fight the good fight of faith. How many realise that sometimes faith is a fight? Is that true? He says, lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed, notice this, the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things be before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Isn't that powerful? He gave confession, he gave witness to Pontius Pilate. What, do, what was the good confession he made? And you'll find the answer right there in John chapter 18. 
This is the good confession that Jesus made before Pontius Pilate. John 18, verse 37. Pilate said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born, for this cause I come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is in the truth hears my voice. You know, that kind of experience so marked Paul's life. Caused him to be a faithful, powerful witness. That's the incredible thing when you read that, because in the actual Greek, when Jesus says you have rightly said, in the actual Greek it means, we'd, we'd use these terms, you bet. <laughs> That's what he's saying, you bet. You're a king, and he's saying to him, you bet I'm a king. And that is such a powerful truth. That when maybe things in your life are falling apart, maybe everything around you is collapsing, maybe even to a point of failure when you think that people see you as a failure and people begin to say to you, with all that's going on in your life, with all the difficulties, with all the conflicts, with all the problems, how how can you call yourself a Christian? You know what you say? You bet. You bet I'm a Christian. You bet I will hold on to the good confession. Sometimes when people go through difficult times, when they go through difficulties, when they're going through challenging circumstances, you know what they do? They begin to pull away from being a witness. They begin to allow their mouths to close. Because often, I've found this, that often when people are going through crisis, then what happens often, they begin to stop testifying. I want you to see something. The enemy's goal against your life is to shut you up. I didn't realise that. You know what Jesus is called? One of the great titles of Jesus is called the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. I love that title. That's what it's called, the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. Why is a lion the king of the jungle? I've thought about that. A lion isn't the biggest. It's not the heaviest. I don't think it's the smartest. <laughs> An elephant is seven times as big as a lion. But a lion is called the king of the jungle. You know why a lion is called the king of a jungle? Because of his roar. That's why he's the king of the jungle, because of his courage and because of his roar. Do you know, a lion, when it roars, actually can be heard five miles away. Isn't that awesome? So like us sitting here right now and a lion roaring maybe the airport and we can hear it. Probably a bit further on than that but the point is a lion's roar can be heard five miles away. I want to say that I think the enemy wants to paralyse and take our voice out of us. I heard a prophecy a few months ago and this was the prophecy that God is giving back to his church it's raw. He's given us back. He's given us back our raw. So we're no longer going to bow down to intimidation and fear, but we're going to raw. We're going to be witnesses that raw. The good confession. What's a good confession? A good confession is when you declare what God has done for you. What you've seen, what you've heard, what you've experienced is your good 
confession. It's very interesting. If you go on to Acts chapter 4, that, that chapter there, it's interesting as you read there. You know what got the disciples in, their, in trouble? You know what it was? It was their boldness. That's what got them into trouble. They boldly healed a man who was lame. And then, they, then when it says that when the religious leaders saw them, they were amazed by what their boldness. And it says, because they realised they had been with Jesus. Because of their encounter with him, there was a boldness there. Now here's the incredible thing. The thing that got them into trouble was their boldness. Do you know what they prayed for? Lord, give us more boldness. In other words, the very thing that got me into trouble is the very thing I asked more of. And that's got to be the cry of us today. Lord, give us boldness. We don't want to be intimidated. We don't want to allow our circumstances and our challenges to cause our mouths to be closed. But we want to be witnesses for you. I was looking at an amazing thing. I've always been fascinated with this term, the keys, have you ever heard this term? The, the keys of David. Anybody heard that term? And I kind of was kind of fascinated by this term, the keys of David. And when I read up for it, you know what the keys of David is? There's two things it means. It means access to the storehouse. Isn't that awesome? That we have access to the storehouse of God. That's a cool, good thing. And the second thing it means, it means access to the king. Now here's the challenge really what I'm talking about. The challenge is this. Am I, am I going to be through my witness? Are people going to get into heaven through my witness? Because I've been given the key that brings people into the very access of God himself. Can you say amen? Now, so the first quality, if you like, for what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced. The second Qualification for a witness is this. Power. You, what, shall receive power. Look at Luke 24. Luke 24, verse 49. So our first quality, our first qualification to be a witness is what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced. How many have seen something? How many have I've heard something. How many have experienced something? Then you qualify to be a witness. There's a second thing. Jesus said this, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem until you have been endured. Notice this term, from power from on high. I was reading a great quote. I thought it was awesome. I've got it. Where's it gone? Oh, yeah, it is from C.H. Spurgeon. That's a quarter. And he, he, he gives this great quote. He says, it, it is the extraordinary power from God, not talent, that wins the day. It is extraordinary spiritual unction, not extraordinary mental power that we need. Mental power may fill a chapel, but spiritual power fills the church with soul anguish. Mental power may gather a large congregation, but only spiritual power will save souls. What we need today, and he, read that, he wrote that 150 years ago, is spiritual power. And Jesus says there, you're going to be clothed with power. And that word clothed there means that you're put on like a glove. 
that you receive the new birth and also you receive power. It's an interesting a French translation. Let me read a French translation. But in the French translation actually speaks of like Niagara Falls. I love it. Being under Niagara Falls. How many have ever been to Niagara Falls? I've been there and I remember being a long way away and being soaked. Because the sheer, just the sheer atmosphere just fills the, the water vapor and you just get soaked by it. And the Bible says that you like, that you shall receive power. You receive the Holy Spirit in you when you're born again. But then when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you receive power upon you. The power to be with it. And it's like Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. That you get drenched. And God has called every believer to be drenched, to be saturated, to be soaked with the Spirit. And then he releases you into the world. The actual word for power is the word dynamis. And it means mighty strength to make the impossible possible. You know when they were trying to make dynamite? They thought, what word can we use to describe dynamite? You know what they found? This word for power. Explosive power. Dynamis. And it's almost taken with the word dynamo, which means strong ability to carry out a task. In other words, you receive the ability of God to carry out the task to be a witness. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ, what? That strengthens me. That's what translation is. I'm powerfully equipped to do extraordinary deeds through Christ who empowers me. We receive power on high to accomplish our assignments and we're not limited by our ability, not limited by our power, but we receive the supernatural power from an eye. Here's the point. So what we see, what we heard, what we experienced was something supernatural. Is that true? So if I'm to be a witness of something supernatural, I myself need to be brought into a supernatural dimension. How can I witness from something supernatural with natural ability? You see that? I need power from an eye to be that witness. Look at this great verse here. Romans chapter 15. I think this is such an extraordinary powerful verse. Here is Paul's testimony. When you think about it, how many realise Paul was no mug? Often people have turned Paul to be one of the greatest intellectuals that's ever been produced. He's an incredible, powerful intellectual. But you realise this. Intellectualism alone was not going to get the work done. Can you say amen? And this is what he says in Romans chapter 15, verse 18 to 19. He says, For I will dare not speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem around to Iceum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. 
So I've made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, so forth, so forth. But here's the thing. He says, you know what? I preached the power of the gospel. You know what I did it? He says, I did it by the power of the Spirit. He says this. He said, I didn't use... He said, so I didn't come in word only, but I came in the power of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that awesome? How many realised that he could, if anybody had ability and talent, he had it. But he chose to be reliant and dependent. And he says, the only thing that's enabled me to reach the Gentiles is the power of God. Amen. The power of God. And there's the third thing. So our first, that we, that through what we see, through what we've heard, through we've experienced, qualifies us to be a witness. Through the power of God, that qualifies us to be a witness. John the Baptist said one other thing. He says, you receive power and what? Fire. I want you to think about this. Think about this powerfully. In fact, go to Luke chapter 3.16, just so you can sort of see this. Luke 3.16. He said, John answered, saying to them all, I indeed baptise you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, who satrap whose sandal, sorry, where am I going? Whose sandal I'm not worthy to loose. But he will baptise you with the, what? Holy Spirit, and I like this phrase, and with fire. Now you think about it. This is the way I look at this. You could have dynamite in your car. Not recommended, but you could. <laughs> you could have a whole, you know, a whole box of dynamite. You know what? The truth is, that, that power is never going to be released until you what? Until you're lighter, is that true? And I think people can have power, maybe they've even been baptised with power, but without fire, it will never be ignited in your life. And we need fire to ignite the power in us. We need the fire of God to come and ignite that power in us. You think, what does fire do? What does the fire of the Spirit do? You know what I'll tell you, it gives you? It gives you passion. Without passion, you see, a person who has power, power but no fire, often has no passion for God, no passion for prayer, no passion to be a witness, no passion. Here's the point. No passion, no fire. No fire, which means no expectancy, no expression in worship, I think to have fire means that you, be, you become contagious. Is that true? How many know you can't kind of you don't keep a little fire to yourself? But a fire is always contagious. I just ever thought I kind of dream about this. Ever thought about this? Can you imagine if every single believer in Guernsey was ignited with the fire of God? Think about it. Just think about it. every single believer on this island was ignited with the fire of God. How many would think this island would be different? How many would think this island would be totally transformed? Not because of a clever plan or a clever idea, but because the people of God have understood one thing and one thing alone. They need the fire of God. And the fire of God will be contagious and it will impact this island. There's something else to think about. You know, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Is that true? How can you have light without 
fire. You'll never be a light if you don't have fire. And Jesus said this, he said, you know what? When you have light, don't put a bushel over it. Don't cover the light. And I think that the, the enemy has been very, very clever in causing believers to cover their light. You know how he causes believers to cover their light? By doubting the fire. Because if he doubts the fire, then there's no light. And the more fire I have, the more brighter, the more lighter, the more my light will burst forth. And I think the greatest need for the church today is to be set on fire. He wants to put a blaze in our hearts. You know what John Wesley used to pray and he shook, the, he shook England, he shook it. Shook the very foundations of the nation. Not because he was a good preacher, not because he was, a, a, was, was a, an amazing organiser. You know why? He was all those things. But I'll tell you what, what caused him to shake the island because he used to pray this every morning. Lord, set me on fire so people will come and watch me burn. Can you imagine that for your prayer today? Set me on fire, Lord, when I go into my workplace that so people will come and watch me burn. Can you imagine the impact that kind of prayer would have? Can you imagine the impact of fire? It's very interesting that when Moses was in the wilderness, remember that time? And he says he stood aside because he saw a bush on fire. Now he saw that many, many times. As a shepherd, he saw bushes on fire many times. But the thing that amazed him was this. That although the bush was on fire, the bush was not consumed. It was ablaze, but it didn't consume the bush. In other words, he was seeing a fire that did not use any energy or any fuel to keep it burning. And there's the truth. The fire of God needs no human energy to keep it burning. We don't need emotions to keep it burning. We don't need our talents to keep that fire burning. It's a fire that burns without human fuel. And maybe today you've been living on the fuel of your emotions and you're burnt out. Maybe you've been living on the fuel of your will and it's broken. And God answers your need to your burnout. He answers your need to your weakness. He answers your need to your struggles by sending you a fire that needs no fuel. I tell you what, the answer to our struggles, the answers to our challenges is fire. There's nothing wrong with you that the fire of God can't put right. Amen. The fire that God sends. I think the danger is today that we can become very, very professional. Very professional. Very accustomed, very able to do what we're able to do. We can sing without the fire. We can preach without the fire. We can pray without the fire. We can do lots of things without the fire. I love what C.H. Spurgeon said. He said, put some, and I was challenged by this, he said this, put some fire in your sermon or put your sermon in the fire. <laughs> no. Oh, that's powerful. Oh, what a powerful truth that is. In other words, without the fire of God, what we do is just mechanical. 
We just go through the form of it. We go through the mechanics of it without the fire of God. And what he's saying today is God says, put some fire in your worship. Put some fire in your witnessing. Put some fire in what you do and you're going to start seeing results. Can you say amen? Now, really quickly, what the fire does is this. The fire comes as something that purifies us. Remember I said that we need the fire and the power? And what the, because sometimes there's a blockage, there are things that are holding back and hindering us from the power. And what the fire does, it comes to purify and to remove the blockages that stop the power from flowing out. That's what the, the fire does. In other words, it purges. It removes things that need to be dealt with in our lives. It deals with the attitudes. It deals with these things in our lives that are hindering and preventing the power from coming out. How many glad for the fire that purifies? The Bible speaks of, of a refiner's fire. What's a refiner's fire? A refiner was somebody that, that would refine gold. And when the gold is melted... All the impurities always rise to the surface. And what the fire of God does on many occasions, if you've ever experienced this, the fire of God begins to come upon you and the things that lay down in your heart that seem so dormant, that you didn't even know were there, things that you weren't even aware of, suddenly when the fire of God begins to hit your life, things begin to rise to the surface. You see things about yourself you never knew before. But those are the things that have been blocking the power of God in your life. I would say this, that when the fire gets to you, it hits things at the very root, the very core. It doesn't deal with the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the outward things, it deals with the very root things in our lives and burns those things out of us so that we become ablaze so that we become on fire for Jesus. It burns away that temper. It burns away that critical attitude. It burns away that unbelief. It burns away that self-sufficiency. And whenever you see a man or a woman that God has used mightily, the only reason why God has used them mightily is because they cooperated with the fire. They cooperated. They allowed the fire to do its work in them. But as God burnt things out of them, what was left was set ablaze, was set on fire for Jesus. Can you say amen? How do you want the fire? The fire that burns and purifies and sets us ablaze. I wrote some things that often people say, set me on fire. Give me all in my life. Remember that one? Here's my favourite one. Give me unction to function. I like that one. <laughs> Give me unction to function. Yeah, I'm definitely. Uh, let me close with this. Here's the question, really. Are we flammable or are we fireproof? Think about it. Are you flammable or are you fireproof? Do you resist the fire or are you someone who's flammable that can be set ablaze? And I thought of certain conditions that make us flammable. Very quickly, here's the first thing, we've got to desire it. You've got to want it, you've got to have a hunger for it. We have to hunger for it. 
almost that we're willing to pay any price that we're willing to pay because we recognise we need the fire. We're hungry for it. We're hungry for the fire of God. You know, I think, you know with a fire, how many realise a fire needs oxygen to burn? You know, you've got to pull that ground and when oxygen hits that fire, boom. You know what I think hunger, you know what hunger does? It gives fire oxygen. That when you're hungry for God, it's like oxygen that causes the fire to set a blaze in your heart. If there's no hunger, then the fire begins to slowly go out. But hunger creates a capacity for God to work. So if we want the fire, the first thing is we've got to desire it. They all begin with D, aren't you impressed? Uh, I think the second thing is you've got to be discontent. That's to be discontent. I think what God's doing in these days, this is my personal view, and he's doing it in me, I think God is making people become dissatisfied with powerless Christianity. We believe that. The people all over are just dissatisfied. We don't want powerless Christianity anymore. We don't want to go through the formula. We don't want to go through all the exteriors. We want genuine fire, amen? And we're discontented with what we see. Ever read Oswald Chambers? I just, I've been reading some of his stuff. He wrote, the highest, whatever it is, the highest, whatever it is, I know whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it is, the highest thing. And you know what? This chapter, he gives his life story, and he said, oh my goodness, this guy, he became so discontented. He said, you know what? I used to read my Bible, and it's almost the dullest book I'd ever read. He said, I couldn't pray. No matter what I did, I just became so discontented with my condition. And he said this. He says, if, if, if all that I have is Christianity right now, he says, Christianity's a false. And he went through a period of incredible discontentment. But out of that... I suddenly remember the book, Lotter Most Highest. This book was written. He became a man absolutely set ablaze for God. Impacted all kinds of situations and nations because out of his discontentment, he cried out to God and God set him on fire. Can you say amen? I want to read you a verse. Almost finished. Malachi 1.10. I kind of read this the other day. I thought, wow, that is powerful. Never noticed it before, but... I thought it was such a powerful verse in Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1 verse 10. Here is God speaking to the people. And he says this, Oh, that you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light, notice this, useless fires on my altar. How many don't want any more useless fires? In other words, what God says, he says, I want you to have the real, authentic, genuine, burning fire of God. And I won't be satisfied until I have it. Amen? Here's the third thing. Close with this. Similar to the first one. Get desperate. Desperation will, will send the fire. It's it's the kind of condition that causes you to be flammable, desperation. Ever thought about this? Think about this the other day. 
Do you look at people and you think, all the time, all the years I've preached to these people, shared with them, witnessed to them, and yet I've ne- I, I see no change. And so there's that cry from your heart, God, we need the power of the gospel. Those who are sick, who've never been healed, they should come from our hearts a cry, God, send the power of the gospel. Those who are addicts, those who are bound up, I cried, God, where is the power of the gospel to set them free? I think when we really get desperate to see things change, when we really get desperate to see God's fire come and begin to break through and begin to do amazing things, then out of that desperation, the fire from heaven comes down and sets us ablaze and sets us on fire. I found this. I don't think anybody gets on fire who's not desperate for it. I've never yet met or read of one person who had such an incredible encounter of the fire of God who firstly wasn't desperate enough to see it happen. In other words, they were unwilling to say, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want all the, I want more. What I've got now may be amazing, but I want more. Amen. I'm desperate for more. I'm desperate to see people come to you. I'm desperate to see people being healed. I'm desperate to see people being set free. And out of that desperation, fire from heaven comes and sets us ablaze. And things are never the same again because you have encountered the fire that needs no human energy or human fuel to keep it burning. Let's just come before him right now. Let's stand before him right now. I want you to lift your heart to heaven right now. Hallelujah. May God send the fire. That great hymn declares what we need is another Pentecost. O God of burning fire, let the fire fall. Let the fire fall on every heart this day that you may blaze and be on fire for Jesus. Because when God's got people like that, everything changes. Nothing's the same when the fire falls. Oh, God of burning fire, fire. Send your fire. It's an all-consuming fire. Hallelujah. Now the first thing I want to do this morning is maybe you, you want to be a witness but you feel that intimidation. You feel that fear in your heart right now. And I would just want to break that over people's lives right now. I want to break that sense of intimidation because we are living in such an intimidating culture really so most people are not even allowed to have an opinion and so we want to break the spirit of intimidation and release a spirit of boldness in the hearts of his people that we will be bold not stupid but bold to proclaim the truth to speak the good confession of what we've seen, what we've heard and what we've experienced Lord in your mighty name this morning Lord, we break 
every spirit of intimidation right now over the hearts and lives of your people right now, God. Oh, we break the... Thank you, Lord, you've not given us a spirit of fear. But you've given us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. And right now, God, I release a spirit of power upon your people today, God. Give us boldness. Give us a boldness, oh God. Give us the ability to speak the good confession of what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced, oh God. Oh, we come to you today, God. I break that off your people right now, God. That we would be witnesses in our own, in our Jerusalems, Lord, in our Judeas, in our Samarias, and even to the very ends of the earth. For we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's begin to cast that off right now. And our boldness. What we're going to do now, just as we maybe worship before the Lord, maybe you're here today, and you know what, you say, you know what, God, I, I feel my fire has kind of dimmed out. And I'm asking you today to set me ablaze, to set me on fire, so I can release the power that you've given to me to be that witness into all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I thought you just as we worship today, okay, it's not going to do, we're going to do it quite quickly, but if you do need prayer in that respect, then just as we worship the Lord this morning as we close, that's you. And we'd love to pray for the fire of God again to burn afresh burning you in your heart. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delance Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.